0: Welcome to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast, bringing all things health and wellness to the Tampa Bay community. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Reller, board-certified family and obesity medicine physician. Please remember, while I am a doctor, I may not be your doctor. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and not medical advice. Please seek out your physician for your specific needs. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Ruller. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Casey Palm. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Casey Palm.
1: Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So I am Dr. Casey Palm, urogynecologist with Women's Care Florida. Not a Florida native, like I've come to find a lot of people in the Tampa Bay area are not. Moved down here for a job, for this job, and came down with my husband. We are um, from the Midwest, again, like a lot of the Tampa... People that I've met are um, specifically Ohio, um, but just loving it down here, especially right now in the month of January and February. We were up during the freeze this holiday season, and um, we're very excited to be coming back. But yeah, so I am with Women's Care Florida. We are um, a group of three urogynecologists, and we provide services kind of across the Tampa Bay area. Currently, we have offices in Safety Harbor, Trinity. Tampa and Brandon, and we are looking to expand over to St. Pete as well. So just looking to get our name out there so that um, women know that we are available. What I have found is that a lot of women are not familiar with urogynecologic services. Um, And so we just want to educate our patients on what we can help with so so excited to be on this podcast to um, hopefully provide a little bit of info to the women out there
0: in Tampa. Awesome. Yeah. So I wanted to tell a little story. So I have a patient who uses the portal and she's quite savvy and she once kind of wrote a message to me and the title of it was bubble vagina. So Uh (laughs) I was like, what are you talking about anyway? So obviously I got more information for her and she was concerned about something coming out of her vagina. And Obviously I realized I need to have her go to the right place. So I was trying to help her find a urogynecologist that was on her insurance plan. So she didn't know what that was. So this is, you know, basically the stemming of having this discussion is so that everybody that's listening can learn, you know, what you guys do and what kind of problems you can help with. So do you want to dive more into that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so just um, a kind of broad strokes overview, urogynecologists are physicians who treat um, pelvic floor disorders And that is kind of an umbrella term for anything um, in the pelvic floor. So the main things that you would think of in terms of the purview of a urogynecologist would be issues with urination. So that can range from urinary incontinence, which is urinary leakage or urinary retention, which is the inability to empty your bladder completely. We also see and help with recurrent urinary tract infections. And then also within pelvic floor disorders is defecatory disorders. So that encompasses constipation, as well as fecal incontinence or leakage of stool. Sometimes women can have something called dyssynergic defecation, which is where they are, they have the urge to go to the bathroom, but are unable to pass the stool for whatever reason. So we can assist with that as well. And then, of course, the topic of this conversation, which is pelvic organ prolapse. That is a big thing, big part of what we do in helping women. So just briefly, pelvic organ prolapse is the, um, you can kind of think of it as a hernia of the vagina. So a lot of people are familiar with um, umbilical hernias in their belly button or inguinal hernias in their groin, where the inside organs start to pop out a little bit because that support layer of the abdominal wall has started to lose some of its strength. The same thing can happen in the vagina. So a lot of women will come in saying, my doctor told me that my bladder is prolapsing or my rectum is prolapsing. And in a sense, that's correct. But what's really happening is the bladder or the rectum are kind of herniating through the previous support layer that the vagina had. And the same thing can happen at the top of the vagina with the uterus starting to come down. So um, pelvic organ prolapse is um, something that we see on a daily basis multiple times a day. and um, multiple treatment options, very satisfying. Although I don't want our patients to come in with the problem because it um, is very bothersome for them. Um, We have a lot of, I wouldn't say simple fixes because I don't want to minimize you know, the patient's experience, but we have a lot of ways that we can help women. And sometimes even just very simple office procedures, a woman comes in with the problem and leaves 30 minutes later with the problem fixed, which is just so gratifying for both the patient and myself um, to be able to help with something that um, really impacts their quality of life.
0: Wow. I did not know that it could be Help that quickly. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. Wow. Um, what are some like signs and symptoms other than, you know, the feeling of something coming out of their vagina that might be occurring maybe prior to that? herniation i guess
1: well um that is the primary symptom is a bulge sensation in the vagina or pressure sensation in the vagina sometimes the prolapse gets bad enough where someone actually sees or feels it coming out it's not just that uncomfortable sensation but they see or feel it with wiping for instance or during intercourse but the vagina is in very close proximity to the urinary tract and the bowel and so a lot of times as prolapse progresses women may not necessarily feel their prolapse, but they start to notice that they're having difficulty with urinating or having a bowel movement. So um, I have a fair number of patients who are leaking urine or are unable to um, pass their urine. Mm -hmm. And they come in thinking that they have a bladder issue when actually the issue is this loss of support in the vagina that is then impacting their bladder. Pain is not, vaginal pain is not usually a symptom, though I will say I have seen that a couple of times. Some women will report feeling a heaviness in the vagina, which then causes some lower back pain. And um, I have seen on occasion when you repair the prolapse, the back pain does resolve. So some people are just really sensitive to prolapse, but yeah, those would be the main symptoms, the bulge, pressure, and then urinary and um, constipation type symptoms.
0: Okay. And then pain with intercourse or no? So, what that
1: it's kind of patient dependent. Some women mm-hmm. again are are more sensitive and so if their prolapse is significant, they may and they're having penetrative intercourse, they may have difficulty with that because the prolapse is kind of blocking the vaginal tube. Mm-hmm. And again, some women ha- just are more sensitive down there and during intercourse it could kind of bump against something. I would say that's 10% of my prolapse patients. Um, most aren't having pain with intercourse, but I always tell people, everybody is different. You know, there's no generalizations. So we take every symptom and, you know, record it carefully and evaluate it accordingly.
0: So I think you kind of mentioned why prolapse happens, basically the weakening of the, you know, vaginal support, a muscle musculature, um, any elaboration on that or...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, what I usually tell my patients is there's there are multiple causes for pelvic organ prolapse, but there's three main causes, with the number one being our babies. So, we love them, um, but they probably are the cause for most pelvic organ prolapse. Just thinking about uh, you know, a little baby head coming through a tube that was once this big and then the baby head comes through, and that um can stretch the muscles and the fibers down in the vagina. And if they heal appropriately, then prolapse will not ensue. But often with repetitive um, vaginal delivery, you can develop laxity in the vagina because of that. Age is another large risk factor for pelvic organ prolapse. So generally, as we're younger, our tissue is a little bit more robust. And as we get older, it starts to lose some of its tensile strength. Our collagen starts to weaken And we know that as women age, prolapse tends to get more um, severe. And then just genetics. Some women are just more predisposed to developing pelvic organ prolapse. If you have a family history, like your mom or your grandma needed surgery or a pessary for pelvic organ prolapse, you're at a slightly increased risk for it yourself. And then there's a couple of other things that um, may or may not contribute activities that increase pressure on the pelvic floor. So, you know, heavy lifting, um, bodybuilding type stuff or chronic coughs. If you have COPD and you're coughing a lot as well as constipation straining to have a bowel movement chronically puts a lot of stress on the pelvic floor, weakens the support layer in the vagina and can allow pelvic
0: organ prolapse to develop.
1: I do a lot of work with
0: obesity medicine. Is obesity a risk factor too?
1: Obesity has been shown to be a risk factor in some studies, Um, again, for the same mechanism that I was just describing, just the Mm -hmm. increased pressure on the pelvic floor. There actually have been some studies looking at does prolapse improve in obese women who lose weight? And, um, the research is a little bit mixed, but by and large, it seems like prolapse can improve in women who are obese, who do lose weight. So again, it's always an evolving topic, kind of figuring out exactly what causes this and what we can do to prevent it. But we always recommend, um, attempting weight loss, especially if you're considering surgery for something like this, because if you pursue the weight loss after surgery your body composition changes and that kind of changes the trajectory of the surgery mm-hmm. and we also believe that um being at a lower weight decreases your risk potentially for the prolapse from recurring makes sense okay so,
0: so is it dangerous is prolapse dangerous generally no
1: so that's i always i have some patients coming in you know terrified oh my gosh my doc told me that my bladder is falling and am i going to die or you know what do i need to do and No, by and large, prolapse is not dangerous. It is a quality of life issue that we want to treat just to make your life better, basically. There are a couple of rare exceptions to that, um, with those exceptions being if you are unable to empty your bladder or bowel sufficiently. So everyone after having a bowel movement or urinating probably retains some amount of, a small amount of stool and urine, and that's normal. But like I was mentioning earlier, When the prolapse gets so severe, sometimes that retention of either urine or bowel can get so high that it starts to cause a backup in the body. And especially from the urine standpoint, sometimes the urine retention can get so high that urine actually passes back up into the kidneys and can cause kidney damage. And so in those women, it could potentially be dangerous because it's starting to affect other organs in the body. That is very rare, but it is always something that I evaluate for when a woman comes in For her prolapse, I always make sure that she's able to empty sufficiently. And if she's not, then I recommend an ultrasound of their kidneys and some lab work to look at their kidney function as well. If all's well, then they're fine. You you know, there's no major medical concern. We just repeat the testing periodically to make sure there's nothing that we have to act on. But those situations are pretty few and far between. Most of the time, prolapse is, like I said, a quality of life issue. And I would like to reassure the women out there. that they're not doing themselves harm. We would love to see you and help you, but you know, I don't some people say I, I couldn't sleep last night thinking about this problem. And by and large, it's it's really not something to lose sleep
0: over. That's good to hear. So how do they navigate their way toward you? Like do they go to their primary care first and their GYN or how's that work?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, We get a mix of everything. So we have a fair number of patients who are referred to us by their GYN or their primary care physician, but we also have a fair number of patients who just look us up online and want to come in and see us. I think that as the word gets out about what urogynecologists do and the services that we can provide, more and more patients are probably going to be seeking our assistance on their own. And we welcome that with open arms. But I know that a lot of patients have longitudinal, important relationships with their primary gynecologist or their primary care physician. And sometimes it's just a little bit more comfortable before seeing a subspecialist to get evaluated by the person who's been treating you for so long to ensure that you're appropriate for the consultation with us. But like I said, anyone who wants to come in and see us, we're happy to see. And um, if it's something that we can help with, we will. And if it's not, then we'll direct you in the right direction.
0: Gotcha. So let's say they are at their regular GYN and they are, you know, examining and say that, you know, maybe they have prolapse, but the patient didn't know or anything. So when would that GYN want to send it, send them to you? Like what grade or stage or how would that work?
1: It would come to two things. One is the patient symptomatic, because if mm-hmm. if she's not symptomatic, she didn't know that she had the prolapse, then right. there's really no need for us to intervene. I always think that less is more, you know. I, I don't want to intervene unless the patient truly needs or wants it. But doing that evaluation of the urinary system and the defecatory system to truly make sure they may not feel like they have prolapse, but maybe they if asked would say oh yeah i have been noticing some urinary symptoms or i have been having a hard time with my bowels in those situations if the primary gyn or the primary care physician did not feel comfortable managing those then i would say to refer on to us
0: and how do you how do you do the evaluation
1: so it is a little bit more in depth than your um, you know typical GYN exam, but we, of course, do the you know complete history. We like to know everything about our patient's medical history and surgical history that really helps inform us for planning on how to treat the patients, going through medications and whatnot. And then we do a pretty thorough pelvic exam. So um, it doesn't take very long, but there's just a couple extra steps to it. I always evaluate for urinary leakage. Some women actually are leaking and they don't even know it. They think it's vaginal discharge or something of that nature. So I evaluate them for urinary leakage. I do a exam to assess the degree of their prolapse. And it's a little, to me, it's not awkward because it's my job, but some women feel a little bit um, silly about it. Basically, I have them push like they're trying to um, have a baby or push like they're trying to poop. And that shows me the maximal degree of laxity or prolapse of the vagina. And that can really help inform what the best treatment is for the prolapse you know, and then just a regular bimanual exam where I feel the uterus and the ovaries and the bladder to make sure that um, everything feels normal. I do assess what we call pelvic floor muscle strength as well. So a lot of women with prolapse can develop pelvic floor weakness, and also pelvic floor tenderness, because some women reflexively contract their pelvic floor muscles. Subconsciously, they can feel that there's something kind of going on down there and their body reflexively contracts those muscles and it can get tight and tender. Those are some of the women who have um, painful intercourse with prolapse as well. So I always evaluate for that as well as their pelvic floor muscle strength, essentially asking them to, to Kegel around my finger. And then just a general abdominal exam, we do collect a urine sample at every visit to make sure that there are no um, issues in the bladder, like a urinary tract infection or blood in the bladder. Take a look at the bladder, make sure that um, the patient is emptying completely, and then After the visit, there may be additional testing that we do looking at the pelvic organs, for instance, um, or the kidneys, like I mentioned. Typically, a visit with me when I first meet a patient is about 45 minutes to an hour to accomplish everything. And I like to be very methodical and take my time so I get all of the information. Um, Often patients have seen multiple doctors um, for these problems, and they finally get to me. Um, And so I like to just cover everything because I know that a lot of people have been through a lot you know, once, once they get to the subspecialist, so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you know, a scary thing and they don't know that it's not dangerous or, you know, in most cases, not dangerous and finding their way to you can take a while sometimes. So you've mentioned several different things about treatment. So do you want to comment? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm sure there's plenty. So
1: (laughs) in general for prolapse, there are three main tiers of treatment, um, like in a lot of medicine. The first is observation. So like I was saying, some women have what we call asymptomatic prolapse, or if they can feel it, it doesn't really bother them. It doesn't affect their quality of life. And as long as they're emptying their bladder and bowel appropriately, there's really no need to do treatment. So I have plenty of women that come in and just want reassured that everything is healthy, um, and but they don't want treatment and that is perfectly fine. So that's kind of the first potential um, way that we manage it. We just check in every couple of months or once a year or so to make sure that symptoms aren't developing. The next tier of treatment would be um, what we call conservative management. And there's kind of two arms there. One is pelvic floor physical therapy. So like I was talking about with the um, assessing pelvic floor muscle strength, We know that in women with lesser degrees of prolapse, they may feel it a little bit and it's a little bit bothersome, but not bothersome enough that they want a surgery for it. Those women could benefit from what's called pelvic floor physical therapy, basically a physical therapist who has specialty training in the pelvic floor musculature and can help strengthen those muscles and actually pull the prolapse back in. It is most effective for women with minimal prolapse. If you have very significant prolapse, it's probably not going to improve your symptoms. So that's why we have to do that thorough pelvic exam to determine the degree of prolapse And then the other arm of conservative therapy and what I was talking about with the 30 minute exam that women, you know, come in with this big prolapse and leave without it is something called a vaginal pessary. Some women have heard of these, some have not. Um, But in essence, a vaginal pessary is a silicone um, cylindrical device. They come in different shapes. There are also cubes and um, funny looking things, but in our office, we use um, just these um, circular devices that are inserted into the vagina and essentially support the prolapse, pushing it back up. Pessaries are wonderful options for women who want something for the prolapse, but they don't want surgery. Depending on the type of pessary, you can remove it yourself at home and replace it. So some women who are sexually active, but want the prolapse to be held up, might choose a pessary that they can then remove at home for sexual activity and then reinsert afterwards. They, um, There are other types of pessaries that are for more advanced prolapse, um, which are unable to be removed at home. But again, this is why we do the assessment to determine the degree of prolapse and which type of pessary would be best for each patient. But our pessary patients, the people who choose them love them. I mean, it's, you know, it completely changes it completely changes them within that visit. So it's always very satisfying and gratifying to put that in. And then of course, the last line of treatment would be surgery, of which there are multiple types of surgery for prolapse, ranging from something called a vaginal closure, um, which is actually our most effective pelvic organ prolapse treatment. We reserve that type of surgery for women who are um, older and completely done with vaginal intercourse because once the vagina is closed, you cannot have intercourse. But we also offer vaginal surgeries where we can repair the prolapse with no incisions on the abdomen, as well as abdominal surgeries with or without um, grafts that can help hold the vagina up. So we really uh, range the full gamut and always have a very detailed conversation about the patient goals and um, what her comfort is. And, you know, some patients come in having known someone who had a treatment and that's what they feel comfortable with because they, you know, have, I wouldn't say personal experience, but, you know, kind of quasi personal experience. And so always take that into account too. Um, I want all of my patients to feel comfortable with the management path
0: chosen. Those are a very extensive options. I think that I think the biggest thing is just improving everybody's quality of life, right? And that's kind of the goal. Yeah, absolutely. As a urogynecologist, did you train in urology first or gynecology?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. I am gynecology, so but that's a great question to ask. And I'm a little bit of a nuance nuance about a urogynecologist. So you can become a urogynecologist through one of two pathways. One is through initially doing training in obstetrics obstetrics and gynecology, which most urogynecologists have a background in OBGYN, but there are some urogynecologists who have a urology background, meaning that they did a residency training program in urology and then went on and did a couple of more years of urogynecology. But I am gynecology and um, I actually, just yesterday, I saw pregnant patients for a urogynecology issue. And it was just so delightful, because I don't do OB anymore, but seeing it's just you know, pregnancies just is such a wonderful time. So, um, and I, I kind of miss it a little bit because um, I had that background,
0: yeah, I can understand that we did very little in obstetrics in my training, but it was uh, okay. it was fun to follow the patient along. So yeah, I do like that part. Is there anything else you want to um, talk about with prolapse or anything else that you do that you want to mention?
1: Again, I just like to reiterate that to put to bed all of the the scary stuff for patients, but for sure, if it is affecting your quality of life, if exercising has become difficult because you're feeling chafing or gardening is too hard because you're on your knees and you feel the prolapse, just pulling, pulling. Please come in to see us because um, like I was mentioning, there's so many things that we can do to help. And we're happy to do the assessment. And if you choose nothing, then that's fine. But if you want something done, then we're there for you too. So we just want to get the word out that we're here and we're, um, we're ready to help. So.
0: And where can they find you?
1: So I am um, specifically in Tampa and Brandon, Uh, but my partners who are also urogynecologists are up in Safety Harbor in Trinity.
0: Okay. And you said at Women's Care Florida, right?
1: Oh, yep. Sorry. Yes,
0: correct. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening today. I hope you will tune in next week. Um, If you're looking for, you know, primary care or allergist or help with weight management, I can help you. You can call us at 727-446-1097. But um, if you're looking for a urogynecology, hit up Dr. Casey Palm. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Get Healthy Tampa Bay podcast sponsored by Clearwater Family Medicine and Allergy. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with your family and friends. We would also love it if you took the time to rate and review us on iTunes. See you next week.